You put in the work every day. Hours and hours. Training. But think about how much more focused you'd be with a coach. Welcome to the What's Up Podcast. What's Up Podcast? Where we'll explore all of your questions from climbing in the Dolomites to winning your local cycling events. This podcast is sponsored by Kyle Coaching, a results-oriented, data-driven coaching service for the working endurance athlete. Now your host, head coach of Kyle Coaching. This is Chuck Kyle. Well, good morning. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. One of the questions that has come up over and over and over is this Netflix movie, Game Changer. So this morning, I've got Dana in studio and I've got Jim on the line, and we are going to talk about the movie Game Changer. So Dr. James Weinstein will give us the nutritional, Dan will give us kind of the athlete's view, and I'm going to fill in the difference with the sports physiology. So, Jim, the first question I have for you, is this a vegan movie, a vegetarian movie, or a plant-based movie? Oh, good one. You're absolutely right. There's a, quite a bit of controversy that surrounds this movie. But you know what? Pretty much every diet movie that I've seen come out, Forks Over Knives, Super Size Me, Game Changers, there always seems to be some controversy where it polarizes people to the right, to the left. And you know what makes good TV doesn't always make good science. And so I'm hoping today we'll get a chance to sort of parse a little bit of that out. The interesting thing with the Game Changers, one of the interesting things that you brought up is that it talks a lot about a plant-based diet. You'll notice for those who have actually watched the movie that they don't actually use the word vegan or vegetarianism very much in the movie at all. I think that's because those terms are a bit anathema to what some people want to do. It has a sort of a sense of negative connotation associated with it, especially with male athletes. And I think that, you know, the movie was trying to do some justice to getting away from those terms, having a negative connotation by just not using them and rebranding the term plant-based as something that is not as hard and could all do it and it's nutritionally adequate. And I think that's the angle that the movie was taken. Okay. So when we look at this, you know, James Cameron, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Jackie Chan are the executive producers. So we do know there was a lot of, you know, I want to say money and, and stuff behind the movie. The movie kind of, to me, had you know four main parts. First part was the whole gladiator thing, which I think was interesting, but really irrelevant. It was kind of like the emphasis of, of how the main character really started thinking about this. And then whether or not it enhances performance for an athlete, uh, then does it have health benefits, and then is there environmental benefits? But I will tell you that at the very end of the movie, Dana looked at me and said... I want to be a vegetarian. <laughs> I did not say plant-based. I did say vegetarian because, you know, it pulls on your heartstrings. I'm an economist by profession. So the environmental effects of having large agribusiness is something that my profession is very aware of. A huge opportunity cost there. I love animals. I don't like eating them. And then you tell me that I can improve my health and I can be faster on the bike. It is a very compelling and emotional argument that I was ready to just run out and buy a bunch of lentils. Yeah. That's the first question to you. I, I think I'm going to go this a little bit backwards. We're going to do bottom line up front and actually be up front. Do you think that based on this movie, well, not based on movie, but based on your nutritional background and your understanding of science, is there an argument that a plant-based diet will increase the performance of our athletes compared to a more meat-based diet? Let's start with the bottom line right up at the front here. So it's hard to answer your question definitively because there's still a lot to learn about the science here. So here's what I can say. 
there's nothing wrong with a plant-based diet. If you're going to eat a diet that is largely based on plants, you likely will see some significant health benefits to it. In addition, the question of is there a performance nutrition benefit, we're still learning about that. I'll be honest with you, there's been a few large studies that have come out that have compared a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet to an omnivore diet. And it's not clear that there's an endurance benefit, a performance benefit on the plant-based diet just on the sports side of the house. What it is clear is that there may be some chronic disease benefits that is important to note. And so honestly, I don't think there's anything wrong with the vegetarian diet. It is possible to eat a vegan or vegetarian diet and be nutritionally adequate. It's very helpful to do that under the purview of a dietitian. I think that that's important because you want to make sure, especially if you're an athlete, that the diet you are eating is nutritionally adequate. And so there may be benefit to it. I certainly don't think that if done correctly, that it would be harmful. Let me make a quick note on plant-based too. The idea that you're eating most of your diet from plants is very different than the definitive you're eating all of your diet from plants. And so I, I think that the, the idea of being plant-based versus only plants is an interesting distinction that is important to make. So from a math lover, but non-science background, my takeaway from the movie, and I'm curious to see if I'm right in what I should have taken away in terms of the performance enhancing benefits would be that if I am getting most of my protein sources from animals, from meat, and that is going to tend to clog my arteries a little bit more. So that is going to make it more difficult for blood to flow and for my muscles to contract and things like that versus the plant-based diet, which is going to sort of open the pathways, if you will, and allow for better neuromuscular contraction and also help with recovery. Those connections are very difficult to make with definitive statements. There's just not enough research. They do a really good job in the movie of pulling on heartstrings and the anecdote piece of it. For example, when they show test tubes of what your blood might look like after you eat a, a diet that has, you know, burrito with meat and cheese versus, you know, one that, that isn't. But some of that is normal physiology. When you eat fat, it ends up in your bloodstream. That's just normal. And so it may be alarming the first time for someone to see something like that. But what's more important is for us to step back and, and remove the bias and say to ourselves, does a diet of meat or having some meat in your diet adversely affect uh, atherosclerosis or heart disease. You know, there's quite a bit of research that shows that that is in fact true. Whether one meal of meat can affect your performance in a race on a weekend is probably less associative. That's why I, I like the idea of plant-based, where, you know, a good number of your meals are plant-based, that you're reducing the amount of red meat in your diet, not necessarily eliminating it. It makes it an, almost, a, you know, an easier thing to do to accomplish and probably does have health benefits. I will tell you something else. So you watch this movie and you instantly decide for yourself that you want to make a dietary change. One of the things that I've been telling folks is that you need to be careful about who you take your dietary advice from. So James Wolf, the, the person who narrated this movie, had an injury, talked about spending about a thousand hours of doing research and has produced this movie based on the period of time that he's essentially become a nutrition expert. Not one dietitian interviewed in the entire movie not one sports dietitian, there's more than a thousand of us in the United States with a board certification who could have certainly given some credibility to some of the statements or anecdotes that were, were made in the movie. And so, you know, I think that it's important to realize that, you know, where you're getting this nutrition information from, from somebody who's spent a tenth of the amount of time, not done any of the schooling. And as an economist, Anna, I know you see this all the time, armchair economists touting the 
you know, the economy is good, the economy is bad. You may see it all the time on the news. And instantly, you know, that my heartstrings pull and I want to sell my stock or buy more stock. And really what I need to do is pick up the phone and call my local economic expert and ask what's going on. I think the same is happening here with this movie is that they missed the real opportunity to include a certain group of people, our registered dietitians, you know, certainly with the board certification in sports nutrition, that would be your nutrition experts that could lend some credibility to some of the statements, could have tempered some of the more grandiose claims, and I think made this movie a little bit better. So one of the things that I heard in the movie, and I've heard other athletes talk about it, and it's this whole idea of a low-carbohydrate diet. Is there a scientific definition or a nutritional definition of what a low-carb diet is? Depends on who you're talking to. I tend to use the definition of low-carbohydrate diet being anything less than um, 40% of your total calories from carbs, but I've seen some people that use 30 or 20%. The interesting distinction is, are you talking about a low-carbohydrate diet that is going to produce ketones, meaning you're so low in carbohydrates that your body is going to have to burn an excessive amount of fats, you're going to produce ketones, and you could you see this ketosis in urine, then we're talking about something like an Atkins diet. Isn't that like below 50 grams of carbohydrates a day or something? Yes, or even lower than that. And obviously, it's a different percentage for, for different size individuals. But let me tell you this definitively, if you're an endurance athlete, you are not going to perform as well on a diet like that than a diet that's rich in carbohydrates. You need to have a certain amount of carbohydrates in your diet. It's the primary source of fuel for an endurance athlete. And you'll have some people, you know, very smart people, physicians, and they're touting the benefits of this specific type of diet. And I just don't see athletes performing well on it ever, ever. I mean, and so it's just, it's not a place we want to be. And, and unfortunately, in this movie, where we're talking about plant-based diets, plants are an excellent source of healthy carbohydrates. And so when one eats plant-based, it's very easy to get a good amount of healthy carbohydrate in your diet. Okay, so let's kind of shift a little bit and talk about the health benefits of a plant-based diet. For somebody like me who has a genetic disposition to having higher blood pressure, higher cholesterol, that type of thing. There is a lot of research that has looked at the benefits of vegetarianism and plant-based diets and veganism on some of the chronic diseases that you just bring up. So cancer, heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, less so on the endurance performance side, which I know is the angle of this movie. So I think it's important to make that distinction. Is a plant-based diet help reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease? I truly believe so. I think the, the evidence is there. I think there's enough research that's out there to definitively say, now I know that not everyone is going to agree with me on this statement, but I personally believe it's strong enough that if you have heart disease, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, or you're overweight or obese, that there's plenty of good research, well-done trials that show that your risk reduction is significant if you make a switch to a vegetarian diet. There's a good meta-analysis that was done. We'll have to check this new afterwards and post a link, but I think it's cardiometabolic risk factors and vegans. It was a meta-analysis done by Benatar, and I cannot remember the other person, but it was done back in 2018. We'll get that link up. But they looked at thousands and thousands, like 180,000 omnivores to like 10,000 or more vegans with quite a number of studies. And they did show that veganism was definitely associated with more favorable metabolic and cardiac profiles compared to those people who ate omnivore diets. I think that's important. On the other hand, on the athletic side of the house, there's not enough research. I saw one recent meta-analysis, and we'll post this link too, that looked at vegan or plant-based diets against 
the omnivore diets in athletes, unfortunately didn't see an endurance benefit to the diet. That doesn't mean there wasn't a cardioprotective effect of it. I think that's important to mention. This is a little bit off the subject and away from the movie, but if people are intrigued after watching this movie and what you're saying about the health benefits of moving to a more plant-based diet, given that we are approaching New Year's, which has all these resolutions, and let's say that somebody listening to this podcast said, you know, I'm going to try to reduce my cardiovascular health risks. It is daunting, especially if you're like me and you're not really a big, huge fan of vegetables. What are some, like, two easy things that anybody could do to move their diet to be healthier to achieve heart health? Great question. You know, and I think a great place to start is by just changing out one dinner a week. It's a good start. And eventually maybe making two dinners a week that are plant-based. And when I say plant-based, I don't mean pasta and red sauce. You know, you want to expand out to really get some healthy color and flavor. You know, I've given quite a few nutrition lectures and sort of well-known as saying that when you really want to try to test the meal that you're eating is healthy, look at how many colors are in there. If there's three different colors, you're on the right path. And uh, no, Dana, that doesn't count for Skittles and M&Ms and Fruit Loops. So the idea is, is that you need to expand out. And a good way to do that is to get a good vegetarian or plant-based cookbook. And there's quite a few out there. I've got several suggestions. Chuck, I'm going to owe you some uh, after action on this as well. well. We'll post a few of my favorite vegetarian cookbooks. But there's several really good ones with simple meals, 20 to 30 minutes to make, one pot meals that are just wonderful where you're eating legumes, lentils, quinoa, several different proteins, amaranth and tess. And you can make an absolutely wonderful, healthy, nutritious, high protein meal and never have to include the carcass of meat or some other animal product in there. And it's a wonderful place to start with just one meal, include the family, get everyone on board with this, find a meal or two that just tastes great and start working it into your repertoire. Another way to do this, and I know that, I don't know about you guys, Chuck, I'd love to hear your thought on New Year's resolutions. I'm not a huge fan of New Year's resolutions, but there's nothing wrong with giving a short vegetarian trial. So maybe a 30-day trial of eating vegetarian either entirely or just for a short, you know, just for some of the meals of the day, not to become a vegetarian for life, but to really get a sense of what vegetarian meals work well for you that you like and you can work into your repertoire. A good example, a couple of years ago on a challenge, I went vegan for 90 days. The biggest thing I learned from that 90-day vegan challenge wasn't the necessary cardiac benefits I got from it. It was that I added about six or seven wonderful vegetarian meals to my rotation. So now, you know, on, on any given week or two, you know, we're always swapping in and out a couple of vegetarian meals that are wonderful, the kids love, everybody loves it, and, you know, we sort of snuck them in. So that was one of the, the big takeaways, but, but I'd be interested in your guys' takes on New Year's resolutions. I, I've not found them to be terribly helpful. No, they're not. And we'd have to do another podcast on that one. But uh, I guess we're going to wrap up here. I don't really want to go into the environmental aspect to the movie. And, and this is why I said I think it's more of a vegan movie than it is just a vegetarian movie, because they did do the whole hook at the end that talks about the environmental impacts of having a meat-based diet. And it'll probably be one of the reasons why Dan and I will shift more away from any type of meat-based to, to more of a vegetarian-based. But the bottom line question as a coach to you, should I recommend to my athletes to become vegetarians? I wouldn't recommend to your athletes that they become a vegetarian. I would recommend that you have an open conversation with your athlete about the benefits of including plant-based meals into their diet. If they come back to you and an athlete says, I'm interested in becoming a vegetarian, can I do it and still be a great athlete? I think the answer is yes, but it's a very individual decision. 
because it's more than just a single meal when they're doing something like that. So I think that's how I would handle it with, with an individual athlete. All right. So Dana, do you have any last thoughts? Well, you took away the economics of all of this, so I'm a little depressed, but yeah, no. <laughs> Jim, do you have any last thoughts? Yeah, you know, I think real important, you know, when you step away from this movie, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the pros and cons and the arguments that are happening on the internet and whatnot with, you know, why the movie was great, why the movie was terrible. I think if you walk away realizing that this was cinema, it was a good movie with a great soundtrack with a message that there are athletes out there that are eating vegetarian and are breaking the myth that you have to eat protein to get big and they're living proof of it. And I think if you walk away with the idea that it's possible to follow a plant-based diet and be a world-class athlete, that you can get enough protein from eating plants, that there's some emerging research that really has some interesting ideas out there about the healthfulness of diets rich in red meat and, and how we might need to study a little bit more about that. That's something to that. The movie fights the stigma that vegetarianism is something that real men won't do. I think those are really some takeaways that you know, can make the movie worth watching while at the same time remembering you're watching cinema, there's anecdote in there that you have to be careful of the pull on your heartstrings and make diet decisions on the individual basis with your coach, with your dietitian, and not based on watching just a movie. That would be my takeaway. It just came to me that my greatest takeaway is that it actually starts a conversation. It's having people think about their diet, what they're eating. Is this good for me? Is it bad? Performance and health reasons. And I think that is perhaps the greatest takeaway from this because we as a population in the United States don't do a really good job with our nutrition, looking at obesity and, and overweight statistics. And I think this is a great way to start a conversation and awareness. That's a wonderful one. So Dana, when we talk about the economics of the movie, what's your initial thoughts? I think that for a long time, we have ignored the opportunity cost of having a meat-based diet, of the resources that go to be able to provide this food supply. When you add that in, the financial cost as well as the environmental cost is pretty large, and people need to factor that into their considerations when they're making their food choices. Jim, do you have any questions? Because I know that was a big one for you. Yeah, Dan, I'd love to get your, your thought on this one. So, and I know we, we've chatted a little bit offline about this and, and Chuck and I have, have laughed about this too, but when people talk about the benefits of the negatives of, of vegetarianism, one thing that always comes up is this idea that cows produce so much methane and people love to poke fun at that and why you know vegetarianism is a silly thing to do. But you bring up a great point that there's a cost to, to everything and there's a cost to the environment for farming meat. And I'm just curious on your thoughts You've studied a lot of different countries' economies. Are there any countries out there or any instances that you're aware of where large economic movements are seeming to get this right, where they're saying, you know what, producing almonds does take too much water and, and producing cattle by burning down our rainforest is really a bad idea. I mean, are, is anyone getting it right out there or at least starting to move the needle a little bit? When you look at historically the progression of an economy as it develops, Almost all economies start off agrarian and then they move into light manufacturing, more advanced manufacturing, and then into services. So we are now a service-based economy. And if you're familiar with the economist Thomas Malthus from a long time ago, who thought in looking at this, like, we're going to have this problem that we're not going to be able to produce enough food to feed people. And that has not been the case because of changes in technology. I don't know of a country that comes to mind that does it, quote, right except for very wealthy countries that can choose to have small-scale 
agriculture that is, you know, happy cow and happy chicken, I will call it, so that they are raised in a way that is environmentally friendly, that comes very expensive. And so it's sort of a first world problem. I think what you need to do is if you look at countries that are very poor and what do they eat, how can they eat? It's a different question. The economics of all this is very complex. If you look at, you had mentioned quinoa, for example. One problem is in countries where that is a staple, as the U.S. and Europe has discovered quinoa and thinks it's really great, these countries export it to us for a higher price, meaning that their population now has to turn to something else because it is too expensive for them to consume. So the economics of all of this is quite interesting, and it's as probably complex as a science in terms of trying to determine whether or not somebody is getting a performance-enhancing effect from a plant-based diet. So one more quick question, Chuck, if I can. I've established, or at least believed to have established, that there's not a good negative reason to not try a plant-based lifestyle. So there's no reason you should avoid it, at least from a nutritional standpoint. You need to be smart about it. Is there an economic reason why an individual would want to avoid eating plant-based or an economic challenge that they need to think about? I think for the household specifically, yes, it's expensive. It is more expensive, I think, to eat I'm going to guess, this is my gut feeling, a plant-based diet, especially if you're trying to do fresh fruits and vegetables and sources that way, and also access to those things and knowledge. So I think that there is a income constraint here. This is, again, cardiac knowledge. I don't know this with certainty, but it's going to be more challenging for lower income households to do this than a higher income household. Yeah, that same lower income group is also overrepresented when it comes to chronic disease. So who might be the best to benefit from it? If I have four kids and I'm trying to feed them, I can go to McDonald's and get a Happy Meal or whatever in the under a dollar menu. And I can feed my family and they're happy and they're full. I'm not going to be able to feed my family on a plant-based diet unless it's all French fries. Well, of course they're happy. They bought a Happy Meal. I know. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because tonight we're going to have lean ground turkey on spaghetti squash as the actual spaghetti noodle. And the amount of spaghetti squash we bought just for the two of us was almost $5. So I can see how very quickly you could have a bill that would be almost outpricing what you can get a family bucket of KFC chicken for. I want to go ahead and close out here. So I guess from our perspective, watching Game Changers is a uh, very good educational tool. I don't necessarily think that it's gospel, that you really have to look at it and understand which part is science, which part is anecdotal evidence. But I think to begin a discussion, it's a great way to start a discussion. It tugs on the heartstrings. It's very emotional. I was looking at recipes for lentils last night saying, we are changing. This is it. This is my magic pill. Hello, you know, Manchester 2020. Here I come. That was interesting to see just how it just sucked me in. Luckily, I know you, Jim, and and I could find out whether or not I should have been sucked in. I think it would have been better to change the title of the movie from Game Changers to Conversation Starter. (laughs) I don't think this movie was a game changer. I think it did a good job of starting a conversation just like what we're having today. And I hope people will keep an open mind, but also demand good research before they, you know, make definitive statements or accept definitive statements from other people. And I think that would be how I close that out. Well, I want to thank both of you. We went a little longer than we normally do. Sorry about that, guys. But this, to me, was a very important subject. I've been questioned a lot about it over the last uh, three weeks. For those who haven't seen Game Changer, we recommend that you go out and take a view and then come back to this podcast and listen again. 
because there is a lot of good information. I will close out with that. So thanks a lot. And we will talk to you all later. You have the endurance. You have the perseverance and motivation. And now you have a coach. For more information from today's podcast, check the episode notes. If you have any questions regarding this episode, drop them in the comment section or send them on Twitter to at What's Up Podcast or email Coach Chuck at Chuck at KyleCoaching.com. This is the What's Up Podcast. Till next time.